Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this wide, wonderful world that we live in, you are very welcome to the Global Leader Podcast. I should have actually said it's the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I can't even get my own podcast right. But we're in the area of sales, psychology, behavior, economics, all the facets around the sales engine and what it takes to be at the very top of your game. And each time I have these podcasts, I always speak to some interesting people from around the globe. And this week I'm speaking with Carl Becker. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here in Colorado. I love your podcast and all the themes, and I'm really excited to talk with you today. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, basically, fasten your seatbelts. We're ready to go, and we're all alive and kicking. I'm actually in the future in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, so I'm probably about five or seven hours ahead. I'm not quite sure. So a little bit of uh, about you, Carl, and maybe you can give a little bit more of an insight then what is written down on my slide here. So Carl is a speaker, consultant, connects with your audiences in his down-to-earth way and provides an actual value. And everything that we do in sales is about value forward. Some 30-odd years of experience as sales and pretty much the same as myself. Uh, He inspires salespeople from every single facet and uses their strengths to connect to their customers to achieve some amazing results. So, Carl, rather than me give you a, a synopsis about you, I think it's a little bit more of an insight yeah. than my little synopsis that I've just given. I, I'm a salesperson that likes to work with salespeople. I love salespeople. In my book, Iceberg Selling, I start with, I love salespeople. And I think the reason I say that is all my life, that's what I've done. I was a little kid that would knock on the door in your neighborhood and try to sell you something. And when I got older, I would knock on your door if I could mow lawns. And I just kind of have been on this journey all my life of sales. But to me, sales isn't the transaction. It's getting someone excited about the idea you have. Mm. And the reason you gave them that idea is because you, you kind of got to know them. You got to understand their world and you have something you can give them that will help them out. So that's kind of, I'm driven by that. I'm driven by connection, um, understanding others, meeting them where they are, and then being of service and bringing something forward. And I've been fortunate enough to be an entrepreneur ever since I was that little kid knocking on doors and had a lot of different companies in the last 10 years of my life. I've spent coming into organizations, a lot of small and mid-sized businesses, but some big ones too, and just kind of like delivering different ideas on how teams can be stronger individuals can find their strength, how we can sell. I wouldn't even say just with more fun and passion. If you want to mm-hmm. say integrity, that's fine. But like, to me, it's like getting to the root of like, why do you do what you do? And how do you bring that forward? And when you do, it's a rush. I mean, I love connecting. And if that ends up being called selling, so be it. Yeah. It's always about adding value and how many new friends that you can make. Question that I was going to ask, and I, um, I did a recording earlier and I had a conversation about this yesterday is, I've worked uh, myself as being commission only sales. And what that taught me was the hunger, the desire. But if I don't sell, I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. If I don't get paid, I can't pay for my phone. I can't pay for uh, to make my car go forwards. I can't pay the mortgage. I can't do a lot of things. But saying that on the flip side of it, is when you're 
self-employed being a self-employed salesperson sales leader or whatever you might want to call yourself it gives you a little bit more hunger and desire to actually go out and give more value to people because your world survives on it but there's the flip side of it is the way i'm looking at it is salespeople should have that inside of them meaning there's a lot of people in organizations that have, they have a a comfy uh, basic salary, then they get commission on top of it. So thinking about that, so the question that I was going to ask, how, what's your perception of that? And what, how do you see that within uh, people that you work with? Because I, I'm seeing it over here and I'm seeing it with a lot of other companies. And where, where's that fire in that belly when yeah. they're employed and so on and so forth? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to add to that a little bit. And I think it's a great question we should all be asking ourselves. And um, I like to ask a salesperson, why? What do you play for? Why did you do this? Mm. And, and typically when I'm running a workshop or I'm doing a keynote, I, I kind of pull the audience. Independent shows up a lot, yeah. betting on ourselves, not letting anyone stand in the way of our success. So if those things are ringing true for you right now, I would say that's kind of your your recharge and your battery, right? Like if we, as salespeople, we put ourselves out there every day mm. and if you, you know, we have rough days. So sometimes I go, okay, let's, let's recenter. How do we charge up? Oh yeah. I wanted to be independent. It's okay that I'm straight commission or high commission because yeah. at the end of the day, what that equals is I do bet on myself and I have a job that allows me to have the freedom to like have unlimited earnings. Mm. And, there but a lot of times we get stuck in oh man this job is tough or why didn't why didn't product roll this out soon enough or the marketing message is wrong and that gets to me to like one of the mindsets i like to talk about is ownership ownership thinking drivership thinking how do i yeah. own my own reality so i think these things are tied together like if you realize you do sales because you want independence making money bet on yourself and and the outcome of that is you want to be able to pay for your kids school or care mm. for your parents or buy the car you want it's all okay because you're designing your life. So to me, um, if you don't feel like you've designed your life and you're in your role and it doesn't feel like it fits the design that you want, then there's probably some things in there to readjust. But ultimately, um, if these things ring true, yeah, you should be thirsty to be able to have an opportunity where there is no ceiling and you can go out and, and architect your life. Because mm. ultimately, I think that's what's in it for us as salespeople. Like, we chose sales because we want to bet on ourselves. We want to have unlimited potential. We want to have freedom. And oh, by the way, that creates all these things for us. So let's find a job that matches that and then own that. So that's how I, I kind of manage through and coach to is like, be glad it's that way. Be glad you took that job because it's aligning most likely to your core values and what you want to do. Yeah, I completely, I think everything has to be in line with what you want. And I always say about your intrinsic motivations, what they are, and find out that purpose that makes you do better. And I think it's down to the sales leader to really work with them, work with your sales people and the external stuff that motivates people. So it might be reward, it might be recognition, it might be something that makes you feel good inside internally but the, the external factors as well that could really help once as a sales leader you've got that and i think it's those key drivers and it's something that i like I, i'm just fascinated with is to work out what they are once you got that i think you have that golden whatever to inspire and motivate so 
what things do you do when you work with organizations? Because yeah. I'm fascinated that so I can maybe learn from you as well. Yeah, we are so aligned. So uh, just as another reference point, uh, I tell a lot of stories in the book Iceberg Selling, and one of them is what I'm going to tell you right now. And it's the same thing. It's this whole idea of what are you playing for? And here's a little hint, too. Um, I want to know as a sales coach, sales leader, sales mentor, what you as a salesperson is playing for. But if I'm a salesperson, mm -hmm. I want to be able to answer the question of the prospect or the customer. What's their world like? It's very similar. Like if we can both uh, when we manage someone or we're selling, truly understand what that person's about. And, and in the concept of iceberg, I want to see the 90 percent underwater. So I'm just mm -hmm. kind of giving you that reference. What we're talking about here is being a good leader a good consultant is the same thing as being a good salesperson. It's about mm -hmm. learning and understanding and bringing that forward. So in the story, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm working with this guy. He's in his early 40s. And as I start to kind of get to know him, he grew up first generation in the United States, um, didn't have a lot of money. He actually kind of got quasi adopted from a, a friend of a friend and that, that family helped put him through school. But he's a guy that just had to build it from nothing. And so he's in this job. But how he's been managed previously is not aligning to him. It's like, you have to do it this way. And this guy was much more of a free thinker and, and he was a damn hard worker, but it was like, everything was in his way to do it the way he wanted to, to mm. do it really for himself. And I just started one day. I said, Hey man, what are you playing for? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, just down, like reach into down, get, share with me inner thoughts. Like when, when you daydream about success, what is that success for? And he kind of gets a little emotional. He's like, well, you know, Carl, I have a, a girlfriend that I'm really, she girlfriend and, and, and her, her son, I love them a bunch. I'd like to get married and I'd like to be able to give him a house to grow up in because we didn't have that as a kid. And I want to be a really great parent for him. And then I want to have my own children with her mm -hmm. too. I said, well, what's getting in the way of that? He's like, well, you know, I'm stressed out all the time and, and this job isn't working for me. And I, I know I'm really good, but I don't know why I can't win. I was like, well, let's start here. Like, you know, what would it look like if you could kind of have a magic wand for your own life? If you could paint your own canvas, knowing that the outcome is the freedom you have and that you're going home each day to this house. What does that look like? And uh, it, it changed his life. It, like he reframed his perspective every day from struggle and survival to mm -hmm. man, if I can dig deep and find find a way to be good in this job, I can have the life that I really want. And I think getting clear on what you play for is, is that thing that starts to unlock. And as a leader, I, I would really invite everyone here to make sure that if you do this conversation, that you're going to be able to open up the aperture. You're going to be able to give them more canvas and really support each salesperson as an individual that's part of a team versus they all are a clone and you need them to be like a robot. Um, and, and if you can do that, then I think that when that person shares what's true for them and they know that you're going to meet them there and do everything you can to support them, that's when you start to unlock human potential as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so over the years, you know, um, what's interesting is I keep coaching them and oftentimes on our one-to-one, -one, I would say, let's check in. Are you still playing for the same thing? How's it coming? Oh, I just bought an engagement ring. Awesome. You know, like we would move down the line of his life and just to kind of a cap on that story, uh, about three months ago, he calls me. I hadn't worked with him for about a year and he's like through the moon. He's like, I have everything I want. I actually moved to this other job and I architected the way I want and we're getting married and, you know, buying this house in my life. It was it's a true story. Like he came out of nowhere. Mm. And I can remember at the dinner table reading the email he sent to me to my family because they, they listen in sometimes when I'm consulting and they're like, that's a huge win. And it is because when you unlock and support somebody, 
great things happen. And that's, that's one of the things I play for. So anyway, just a little bit of a long story, but hopefully it answered your question a little bit. Yeah. And I also to have, and I'm sure that person that you just spoke to went on that little journey of self-discovery and that's uh, all of the things that you suggested to him is that he was thinking in his process. I find with a lot of salespeople, they, you have to get buy-in to want to change, to want to do something different. The amount of workshops that have been on and attended, but also facilitated, you can tell the ones that are really keen, but you can also tell the ones that have been told to do it. They're mm -hmm. the ones that need work. They're the ones that need to be get that buy-in inside of them because that's the that's always going to be the challenge the, the people that think they know it all regardless of age and I, I, I say I did a workshop last week and uh, uh, the, some of the people say I've been here 30 40 years or whatever the length of time and I was going well where's your hunger where's your thirst there was this guy in there um he just said oh, I've just done 300 400 thousand uh euros of business blah 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 and like he's a young fella but the old pair oh, I've been here ages and I was going well there's no congruence here. I would suggest that the older people still need to be battling out there. They still need to be learning as much as they want to be and can be because they're the ones that still don't want to be those dinosaurs. They're the ones that should be still reading all the books and still Absolutely. attending the workshops. From your point of view, where are you seeing that in the marketplace from your side of it? And it's a big question there because I'm always curious by that is – different dynamics within a team but how can we as professionals in what we do is helping people to get along how can you can get that buy-in forward yeah. i'm actually it's a, it's a fascinating question um and i think it's very real and so i'm going to kind of share an experience um oftentimes uh, i'll come in teammates of mine will come in and we'll like co-facilitate uh, the monthly or the weekly, the, the, the biweekly sales meetings. And, 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 and we'll come into an organization and we'll do that as kind of a co-pilot facilitator. So think of these not as sales meetings, but as like part sales meeting, part workshop. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of times these teams are five to 10 people. It, it could be more, but what I'm about to share with you, it might make sense if you're going to do something like this to have a team of five to 10 so that you can actually yeah make it more like a peer group, like an internal peer group where we're learning from each other. I think that's where the secret begins is, can we start to bring the team together to not only be individuals and find their individual passion, but also learn as a team and activate as a team and start to hold each other accountable and learn from each other. So with that context, I'm running one of these working sessions and it was all about, I know this role play model, but it, this is how I was trying to activate. I'm trying to get the teams to get inspired and learn from each other. So um, the, the whole concept was, I want you to pretend that you're going to Las Vegas for a trade show. And this trade show has all of our customers that we want to sell to. Now, I want you to give me a scenario in this kind of this, 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 we're going to the mm -hmm. trade show X, Y, Z. How would you be and what would you say? And I intentionally started with the youngest members of the team. And then I went to the oldest, who was the, the seasoned veterans. And the young guys are like, well, I would be in the coffee line and the guy in front of me would have a shirt with the logo and I would say, oh, you do X, Y, Z. And he'd say yes. And I would say, um, well, guess what? Our company does 
you know, X for Y by doing Z, like the perfect elevator pitch. Yeah, he goes, yeah. and the guy would give me his card and la, la, la. So nothing was wrong. Like it was textbook. But by the time I got to the veteran, uh, this woman says, well, Carl, the sales call would start in the plane. And I would sit down and this person would walk in and on their bag, it would say logo company. And I would say, oh, are you going to this trade show? Yes. Why? What are you hoping to get out of it? How did you start your business? And you start to see the, the difference of a veteran versus mm. an early stage career. The early stage career wanted to just talk about the thing, the money, the transaction. And the other person wanted to talk about the relationship and truly understand before. And so I think to answer your question to kind of how do you up level a team is you make sure you honor both experiences. And, and hopefully that older person mm. in my story was like, yeah, if I was at a coffee place or, you know, that was interesting how we described our company, like there was nothing wrong with it. And hopefully she kind of got a reminder of like how to say the value quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the younger person said, hmm, maybe I should be building relationships a little bit more before I jump to the sale. Yeah, so to yeah. me, it's like creating those like healthy collisions of ideas and holding a space as a leader where it's a yes and it's not, I could have gone to the young guy. Wow. You know, like you didn't build relationship, you know, when are you going to be able to spit something out like that? But I didn't, that's not the point. The point was to learn and get people excited and activated. That's how I kind of handle it. Yeah. I see. I, I always like to share and grow together. Knowledge is comes from anywhere and everywhere. So whether it's the young person, whether it's the old person, but I, I think the, the always the golden nuggets are, when you invite people from the different areas of the teams as well, meaning the marketing yeah, coming as well, because they need to be in line. They need to be working in congruence with each other, not against each other, and maybe get the accounts people in there. Because there's, and again, there's no such thing as a bad idea. There's always a creative edge. And from stuff that I've done research is the critical thinkers are sometimes the better salespeople so maybe the analytical thinkers the people from uh, accounts that they might be hearing stuff all the time maybe from a different perspective Absolutely. of value of what they're seeing and getting everyone to sort of uh collectively get together and brainstorm ideas because the way i look at it the, the sales leader doesn't know all the ideas he just doesn't but the ideas come from the people so you share and grow the knowledge together and whoever's comes up with the best idea or the best approach, or you did something really well. And this, and the guy, well, well, can you present that to everyone else? Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's when you have those dynamic moments and that's when things work really well. Yeah. And I would say teams win championships, right? It's, it's, it's a rare example where it's one person on that team won the championship. It's usually the coach, the team, the intentionality ahead of time, how we play together. And, and my invitation to anyone to kind of piggyback on what you said is, I think, I think sales is the eyes and the ears, mm. right? And if you go back to that trade show example, let's say we were launching a new product and marketing said, this is the value proposition. This is how we're doing it. This is what you should say. This is what the banner says in the back of us. And the salespeople go there and they bring a marketing person or two. And the marketing people are listening to what the customer, the voice of the customer and the salespeople are delivering the message. And if it's not, if it's not resonating, it's not connecting. If you have a good salesperson, they're going to pivot in real time in that little like micro experiment mm. in that box that we call trade shows or conferences. And when they start to learn, 
a better way to message that resonates with that customer and the marketing person's there to hear that voice of the customer. Now we're compressing like risk in our learning cycle and we're moving faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. And by the way, those two teams are aligning. They're, they're seeing that they can win together if they cooperate versus marketing builds this trade show, all the brochures, we send the salespeople and we come back and go, how many leads did you get? Right? So I, I'm a firm believer that conversation, you know, getting into conversation, sharing, learning, and, and keeping that as if you're the leader, you're like a facilitator. You've got to, you got to keep this environment one where there are no bad questions. There are no bad ideas so that people build trust and they, they're, they're willing to share instead of feeling like, Oh, if I say this sales guy's going to jump on me, cause I'm a marketer, you know, like we got to erase that if we want to be competitive and dynamic and fuel our team, like, Fun ideas fuel teams. Yeah. So what happens uh, from your side? Because not we're we're not in a perfect world. Like, yeah. what happens when that doesn't happen? So uh, challenging conversations with a sales leader, and you do do the do the work, and the the, yeah. the sales leader just doesn't get it, uh, which can yeah. put things in an, another way. I have kind of a sad story in the fact that I was in working with this this company. They had six salespeople, a couple of people from marketing, and one of the founders wanted to really like stay involved with sales and marketing and and wear the hat of chief revenue officer. Um, though he brought me in to be the chief revenue officer on a fractional basis. So right there, there was probably a flag in the fact that we had two people saying we were accountable for the same thing. But he clearly had more like voting rights, if you will, than I did. I'm fractional. It's his company. So um, we kind of go down this this road of bringing sales and marketing together, uh, realizing that we could start to do more kind of like informational partnership mm -hmm. type conversations. So the idea was we would reach out to a professional services company and say, hey, there's a model for partnership. And this is what it could look like where we uplevel your team. We give you some resources so that you can sell what we do and we can augment your offering. It was kind of like our company augmented their offering mm -hmm. uh, with some deep domain knowledge, just to kind of give you the, 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 the example. But this owner just wanted to talk about the, the transaction. What are we going to sell? What are we going to sell? What are we going to sell? And wanted everything to be calling that partner to say, do you have any transactions? We can do the transaction. I was like, you're missing it. You're missing it. And the salespeople tried it his way, tried it my way. And we were getting a lot more traction my way. But ultimately, he said, this is too long. Like, we're not closing things fast enough. We don't want to do it. And about 80% of his team quit over the next 90 days. Oh, so, like, it's one of those things that if you do facilitate this and people are bringing something forward and if their compensation is tied to performance and they're feeling they can't perform and the leader's, like, shutting stuff down, um, you're going to have a tough time, yeah. you're, unfortunately, and, and then you're going to have to rebuild. And then the new people come in and, and well, why did Carl leave? Or why did this person leave? You know, like it, it becomes something that is really hard to get around. So uh, the, the win is you bring people together and the team rises, kind of the rising tide. The other is you start to shut down ideas and yeah. people are going to go somewhere else where they're they're heard more. So, so what did you learn from that experience? What what happened after? Yeah. Because they're, they're, I would say like yeah, we all have to fail at some point. So yeah. like but whoever we are, um, the Tony Robbins of the world, that he's not perfect. He right. he's failing all the time. And we all fail. I, I failed all the time. So I fail all the time. I try things new every day, every yeah. month, every week. Um, you know, I think for me as a consultant, 
you know, it's always hard to kind of look to the future and yeah. then look back. But I think my number one um, lesson would have been we weren't clear on roles and responsibilities and ownership from a leadership point of view. And that could be the same if, if you're listening and you run sales and you want to bring your marketing counterpart in. Who's going to own that meeting? For yeah. real. And the idea is who's like not both of you, but who's really going to own it. So it's almost like a roles, responsibility, accountability. I, I missed that step. Um, some of it was because I, I kind of saw myself supporting him. And but at the end of the day, um, as we started to chart a path forward and try it out, it was working. But it just there was probably other things in his head, other initiatives that he needed, probably revenue. I think he was yeah. really yeah. wanting more money faster instead of looking at the long game and the strategic thinking. So I think my lesson was I, I, if I could go back in time, I would have probably gotten a lot tighter on roles, responsibilities and authority from the beginning um, so that we didn't go down this road where ultimately it was going to be, it wasn't a power struggle, but ultimately it was going to be, if we're misaligned, who calls the ball? Mm. So that's probably the piece I would say from a team it damaged the team too, because it's kind of like a parent, right? Like I'm talking to dad, dad says I can go. I, and then all of a sudden mom comes in and says, no, you can't like, yeah, it, it yeah. starts to create unhealthy relationships for all of those parties. And friction in the process as well, because our jobs are here is to do stuff, which hopefully improves it. But sometimes it has to have that buy in there. Sometimes you have to take them out of the space of the environment that they're in and put them into a different space. So they're, they're out of work. Uh, something that I always do is just like out of sight, out of mind phones, leave them outside the room, put them in your bag, put them in coat pocket, put them somewhere else. Cause it's an instant distraction. Another Absolutely. thing that I always enforce is no laptops. I don't want you plowing away and tapping down in front of me. Unless we're doing something on um, CRM processes, then we need technology in front of us. But outside of that, no, uh, it's it's a distraction for what we do. And I, I want to make sure that people are engaged and working forward. So if, if, if you were interviewing you, what sort of questions would you ask you? Yeah. Uh, I think I would say, you know, what... What are a couple of really good things that if I was a salesperson, you would want you would want to give them as a gift or as some advice? So I think that would be the question is like, you know, what some best practices some mindsets that you think could up level a salesperson's game right now? If they were listening. Mm. So uh, what are they then? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I thought of that before. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you about four mindsets in the book Iceberg Selling. Actually, I'm going to call an audible. You can see these baseballs in back of me. Yeah. My first book is called Set Up to Win. And the inspiration for that book was actually catching a baseball with my son. Mm. So I want you to imagine you've got a little kid. He comes to you and says, oh, you're going to take me to this baseball game? Great. Dad, we're going to catch a ball, right? And you, as the father, go, yes, that's what happened to me. So the rest of the day, we're talking about catching the ball, catching a ball, catching a ball. And luckily, we were sitting in seats where that could have been a yeah. possibility. So sure enough, it's the third inning. My son goes, when are we going to catch a ball? I said, now. And I'd already in my mind thought, I'm going to stand up slowly. I'm going to take my eye. I'm not going to take my eye off the ball. I'm going to catch it. And then I'm going to give it to my son. And now I'm going to win dad of the year. And sure enough, the ball comes up. I catch it. I give it to him. Well, I have two boys. And so I was like, oh, a little bit later, a couple of weeks later, I was like, how am I going to get a ball for my second son? And this is what this is the lesson. 
I started to think about all the little things that increase success. And if you're a salesperson, I want you to use this as an analogy of like, how does chance favor the prepared? How do you, how do you increase your odds of success? So the thought was, okay, I need to sit someplace where I could get a ball. I need to dress in the team's like uniform and colors, right? So that that, that if, if they catch a ball and decide to throw it up to me, they're going to send it to me and not to the other team mm. team's fan. I'm going to bring kids because baseball players like kids. I, I started to think I'm going to have a positive mindset. So sure enough, I'm at a conference in Dallas. I bring my family. It was over the summer. And I walk away with a ball for my second son. And so what I'm trying to tell you from a sales point of view as a lesson, and then I'll give a mindset or two very briefly, is it's a lot of little things that create success. How you show up. Do you prepare? Do you run a good meeting? Do you ask for clear next steps? Do you actually get the calendar out right now? But like, you know what the right elements are of a really great sales call. And if you don't, yeah, am iceberg selling, I cover it. But the point is like, get intentional. Even to, is your car clean if you're driving someplace? Is there food wrappers in there? Like, do you have bad breath? Like think of all the things that increase your odds and then do that. A couple mindsets I'd leave you with just to, I know I might've given you a really hard, quick turn. Mm-hmm. think lifetime value when you're selling. Don't just look for the immediate win. Like, do you want to work with this person forever or once? Have a, have a service-based mindset. How do you show up and create more value all the time? And it might not even just be about your product. It might be just showing up as a human and seeing what else is going on in their life and how you might be able to support them. Yeah. And then the last two, ownership and drivership. If you really want your success, I want you to realize you're the only one that owns that. No one's going to come and make you successful. It's up to you to to have the mindset that you can be successful. And then drivership is like getting in gear, making it happen. I know I covered a lot, but those would be the things that if I was a salesperson, even if you did one of them, your days are going to start to change. Yeah, it's the uh, I think that covers a lot of the stuff that I would normally cover as well. And I'd always say. and I, I love this quote, the the more I practice, the luckier I get, mm-hmm. uh, which is such a good that. saying, because it is about practice, 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 practice. Even when you think you're doing well and all of that is still going on, carry on and practice. Uh, Zig Ziglar always says the similar sort of quote. It, it is those things that you do that drive you forward and all of the areas that you you might feel like you're a little bit weak on work out how to get better on it. Ask someone, get some mentorship, get some help, get some coaching, get something other, go to a seminar, get a a sales coach, get a trainer, get, get someone or someone that's performing at the best of their capabilities and find out what they're doing. And then they can help you drive forward. So look, I really appreciate uh, the conversation today. How can people find more about what you do? Uh, I'm going to put for the audible people uh, that are listening, and there are many of them. Uh, how can people find out more? Yeah. So uh, I mentioned my book, Iceberg Selling, many times. The whole idea there is I want you to think about, about uh, of an iceberg. You only see 10% above the surface and until yep. you start to find the 90% below. I want you to remember icebergs because of that. And if you want to, the easy way to find me, icebergselling.com. And there's links to my my business site, which is improving sales performance. I also invite any of you find me on LinkedIn. You can find me through probably the show notes or even just like information from either of those two websites. You can find me. Tell me you saw me on this podcast or you heard me on this podcast or just that you have a question now happily connect 
happily share any knowledge. I even send you a PDF of any of the books if you're really interested. So I really appreciate this. It's been fun. Excellent. Thank you so much. And you've been listening to the Global Sales Leader podcast. Every week I speak to you some incredible people from around the globe, different ideas, different thoughts. The key thing here is to share knowledge, grow together. If you can get one thing out of this podcast or any of the other podcasts that can help you get better at what you do, whether you're a salesperson, sales leader, or you're looking at getting into sales or whatever the facets might be, improvement is the core value that I hold. And if this helps you, tell everyone else, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, and recommend it to everyone else. So thank you once again.